Amen. So I promise I'm going to do my very best to make sure that I don't go past 10 minutes, okay? I promise. Um, I know we had, we have maybe a few chairs back here if you still need to find a chair. If not, let us know. We'll, we'll get some more chairs. But squeeze in. Don't be shy. Everything's going to be okay. I think. All right, so obviously uh, we're here celebrating Friendsgiving because next week is Thanksgiving. Anybody have some weird Thanksgiving traditions? Like anything that's weird? Go, go for it, Christina. You were like, I do. What is it? You eat tamales on Thanksgiving. Interesting. Do you eat them on Christmas too? Uh, <laughs> You're going to clap for that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tamales. Don't hate me. Please don't hate me, but I, I don't like tamales. I can't stand tamales. Um, I know. <laughs> I don't like abuelita hot chocolate. I don't like, I don't like buñuelos. Sorry, give me some Swiss hot chocolate. But anyways, no, well, obviously, there, we have so many things that we do. Thanksgiving, mostly a lot of people in the tradition, you go around the table, you say what you're thankful for, and usually people say the basic things. You know, we say, oh, we're thankful for our family. We're thankful for our friends. Of course, we're thankful for the Dallas Cowboys. Amen. We're thankful for. <laughs> you don't clap for family and you don't clap for friends, but you clap for the Dallas Cowboys. We are in deep trouble. The future of America is. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you praise God for the Dallas Cowboys. But, but, one, but one of my goals for us tonight is very quickly, I'm going to try to do this very quickly, is to give us a different perspective and the way that we actually think of what we should be thankful for. Uh, if you were here last year, we did the same thing, and we, we showed a, a video of, of a family who, who had lost their baby, who lost their baby girl, and in the midst of that, they found joy and peace uh, through Jesus, and, and we're going to continue that trend throughout the years. Our goal is to continue to, to show us and give us a different perspective on what it looks like for us to be thankful, specifically in the way that we see in Scripture and the way that God calls us to be thankful. So I'm going to read this really quick. Uh, it's in second, it's in Philippians, excuse me, Philippians chapter two, verses 14 through 18. It'll be on the screen. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firm, firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Okay, so if you don't know, this is Paul. Paul wrote pretty much almost all of the New Testament, and right now Paul is in jail. He is in prison because he's sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and he's writing to the church that is located in Philippi. And this church, he starts off the letter really just praising God and, and, and saying how thankful he is for all his brothers and sisters in this church. And he talks about his situation, how he's been in prison. But amidst all of that, Paul is rejoicing and he's praising God because of the fellowship and the work that they have done together and the work that Paul believes is happening in the church of Philippi as well. And then he kind of switches gears almost like to remind the church of Philippi about something very, very important. And notice that he does, he's not talking at all about happiness. Okay? He's not talking at all about his, his, like, like happiness. 
right? And we've, we've talked about this before where there's a distinction between joy and happiness, how happiness is fleeting. It can change. You can be happy one second, angry the very next, but joy is everlasting. The joy of our salvation is everlasting. It's firm. It's strong because of the foundation that is found in Jesus. And so one thing that I want us to realize is that our perspective determines the level of our joy. Remember, Paul's in prison. He is not happy that he's in prison. Why would he be happy to be in a jail cell? There's no happiness. I'm sure it's difficult. I'm sure it's, it's hard for him. I'm sure that it, it could be annoying. Why would you rather, why would you want to be in a prison cell when you can be out in freedom with your friends instead of writing to them? But we do see that he's joyful, that he's rejoicing, right? We can choose gratitude despite of our circumstances. You see, Paul con Paul's connection between prayer and choosing thankfulness is also reflected in his letter to the Thessalonians, where he says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, it's important to know that he doesn't say we should give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, okay? Not for, but in. Again, why would we, why would we want to uh, rejoice for going to prison? We're not going to rejoice for that. But in the midst of going to prison, we will rejoice. The question is, why are we rejoicing? Why is Paul so determined and still joyful for being in prison in the midst of that? And very plain and simple, it's because of what Christ has done in his life. Remember, Paul used to persecute Christians. Paul used to go and kill Christians. Right? Paul used to go and throw them in jail, and now he himself is believing the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of God for himself, has repented, believed, surrendered his life, and now he is being put in prison for the same exact thing that he was doing to the other people, for sharing the good news of Jesus. We can be thankful for Jesus, for what he has accomplished for us, for our untouchable inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven and for God's unchanging character. And I want to end with this really quickly. We, we, a lot of you have heard about what's going on in Afghanistan, right? You've heard it all over the news, and we talked about it a lot, how it's really sad that we find this out because someone shared it on Instagram. That's the only way we found out, because someone shared it on social media. But what you don't know, it's not only Afghanistan where people are suffering and being persecuted. It's happening all over the world. And I want to show you a clip right now. Of a, of, it's a movie called Sheep Among Wolves. And if you want to go watch it, you can. It's completely free. It's on YouTube. It's about two hours long. Uh, but tell your parents first about it. Okay. Uh, there's, there's some things that are very heavy in there. But I also think it's important for us to know. When I saw this, I was convicted to the core. And it gave me a different perspective on why I should be thankful And I think it's going to really impact us. So let's go ahead and watch this about five minutes. Bear with us and, and let's look at this real quick. Actually, persecution keeps you clean. 
in the sense that when you're in a persecuted state, you're constantly leaning into God. You're constantly running to Him as your refuge. When I look at the witness of Scripture and I look at the witness of Christian history, what I see is that whenever ease and affluence and power is given to the church, it seems to disease. And it does all kinds of damage. Um, not only does it introduce the kind of motivational corruption uh, that just diseases the church, but it just seems to produce lethargy and indifference. It's through this pressure, hardship, and suffering that people are coming to Jesus. I'd rather them suffer and be under pressure and be under an authoritative dictatorship and millions come to Jesus and maybe even the whole country can come to Jesus then freedom, openness and democracy and half those people come to Jesus. What's in front of persecuted Christians frequently is what the gospel is all about. And what's in front of affluent Christians in a free society is, a, is not only that, but a whole range of options for life and for time and for use of money. And that is a dangerous thing. In Revelation, the only church that was not critiqued by Jesus was the first church. And the first church is the only church that was truly under suffering and persecution the whole time. I'd rather see millions of people come to Jesus than have freedom. I'd rather see millions of people come to Jesus than democracy. We're playing for eternity here. This is not something temporal like, okay, they're free to not wear a headscarf, they're free to choose their elected officials. If freedom was such a great thing for the kingdom, then why is America and Europe in the state it is now? What's happening in Iran right now is they're experiencing God as being all sufficient in his ability to deliver people, not necessarily out of their circumstances, but in their soul, find deliverance and life that goes far beyond having a nice life here on this earth, but a hope for something that lasts for eternity. And to me, that's the difference. The church in the West is living for how can we make this life the best possible life? And the church in Iran is saying, forget this life, I'm living for the next one. We can learn so much from the people in persecution like our Iranians, brothers and sisters, how they are doing. They have to do it, they have to do it, and it works. It is decentralized. It is a movement of brothers and sisters without big leadership. They are led by the Holy Spirit and they trust each other. Living relationship, living unity, and it works. People are coming, hundreds, thousands are coming to follow the Lord. And if it works in places of, of persecution, 
Why don't we learn from them? Why don't we start doing it here before the persecution for us is coming? Why don't we start now being trained and, and do it the same way? So the harvest is big and if we see that it works there, why shouldn't it work here? Let's start doing the same thing, not what the Iranians do. Let's do what Jesus did. He called them to the table. The Iranians do what Jesus did. Let's do what Jesus did and learn from the Iranian people how to do it. For her, lethargy and indifference was a greater threat than persecution. And it is. It simply is. I'd rather see millions come to know Jesus than freedom, than democracy. And we live in a nation where, especially right now in this political climate, where democracy is the greatest thing that we could ever have. Yet we fail to recognize that it's nothing compared to the kingdom of Jesus. And so my prayer and hope is that we would learn from our brothers and sisters in Iran who are literally dying, being persecuted, but rejoicing. They rejoice in their lack of freedom. They're rejoicing in their lack of not being able to, again, wear scarves or, or, or women being in leadership or things of that nature. They rejoice in that because the, the truth of the matter is that people are coming to know Jesus in huge ways compared to the West, which is where we live in, the Western church, where we have AC and a big TV screen and pizza, where we can worship freely. And so my prayer is that we would rejoice and be thankful for the opportunity to share Jesus freely. Our persecution is nothing compared to the persecution of our brothers and sisters all over the world. So remember that. Hold on to that. And this Thanksgiving, while you're with your family, your friends, sharing a meal, pray for the church of Iran, for the church in Afghanistan, for the church in China. And again, if you want to watch this movie, you just go to Sheep Among Wolves movie. You can Google that and you'll find it there. A lot of good resources as well. And learn more about the persecuted church and how we really are blessed. And I don't know if we call it a blessing. <laughs> Maybe we call it a curse. Because it's so easy to get so comfortable and forget about the next step in life. This, this is nothing, guys. We're here for, what, 75, 80 years max? The way that I'm eating, maybe less, right? And I want to do the most of it and know that I can go before Jesus and he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for reminding us of truly how blessed we are and that we would not take this for granted. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Iran, in China, in Afghanistan, all over the world, Father, the churches that are being persecuted, but continue to rejoice in their circumstance. In spite of it, Father, they rejoice because of how good you are, because of what we know is to come, that we have a hope for something greater that we could ever imagine. I pray for our students, for our church. I pray that more people would come to know you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.